Good morning, and uh, let, let me offer my happy Mother's Day to all the moms who are here. Uh, we're so glad that you have chosen to spend your Mother's Day morning here with us. And also want you to know, if, you, if this whole chartering business, if you're like, I still don't get what's going on. Basically, after 109 months as a church, we're finally becoming official. And so people like Bob have been serving basically like elders for the entire time that our church has been around, but they haven't had the actual title and they haven't been voted in yet by you. So next week at that charter member meeting, we're going to be voting in our leadership among a few other things like that. And if you have not gotten onto the charter member list, even if you've taken a membership class in the past and you were on our membership list before, we need you to reaffirm that. And so we invite you to go out to that table, check the list, see if you're on it. Um, and if you're not, and you've taken a membership class, and you've made a profession of faith in Christ, then we invite you to be a part of, of that. So, and you can ask questions about that later on. Well, last year, for my Mother's Day message, I t- shared with you the top 10 things that mothers say. This year, I would like to share the top seven ways that you know that you are a mom. Here we go. Number seven, you count the sprinkles on each kid's cupcake to make sure they're equal. (laughs) Number six, you hire a sitter because you haven't been out in ages, then you spend half the night talking about and checking in on the kids. (laughs) Number five, you hope ketchup is a vegetable because it's the only one your child eats. (laughs) Number four, your child throws up and you catch it. I know many of you have done that. Number three, you hear your mother's voice coming out of your mouth when you say, not in your good clothes. (laughs) Number two, you read the average five-year-old asks 437 questions a day and feel proud that your kids is above average. (laughs) And number one, you say at least once a day, I'm not cut out for this job, but you know you wouldn't trade it for anything. So there you go. Happy Mother's Day once again to our moms. And I have a story for you today. This story is a little bit longer than the stories I typically tell on Sunday mornings, but I want you to bear with me because there is going to be a point to all of it. Before I share this story, though, I would like to read from God's Word. So we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. And it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. And this is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Now for the story. The story begins with Olivia sitting on a park bench in the center of her town. And it feels like to her that everything, that all the oxygen has been just sucked out of the air around her. 
She pauses for a moment and looks down at her sleeve, which is wet from the tears that she has been wiping away for the last hour since she ran from her home. I've ruined everything, she thinks. How could I be so stupid? This young teen gazed around her at the park and she saw to her left, she saw a a mom pushing her daughter on a swing. And to her right, she saw a mom sitting on a blanket, having a picnic with her two daughters. And Olivia had to turn her eyes away. It was too painful for her to look at. Because it seemed like every girl around her was spending quality time with her mom. But at 13 years of age, Olivia had never had somebody to call mom. Olivia's life got off to a rough start. When she was born, her mother was in no condition to be able to take care of her, and her father was not in the picture at all. And so Olivia spent the first 11 years of her life bouncing from one foster home to another and to another. And no matter where she went, it never felt permanent. And so she learned to take care of herself. She learned not to trust anyone. At this point in her life, Olivia did not know about John and Jennifer Bryant. Now, John and Jennifer had been married for about 10 years, and they'd always wanted to have kids, but they hadn't been able to yet to this point. John was a consultant whose work took him all over the world. And at one point, he was on a trip to India, and the kids there just captured his heart, and he saw kids living in poverty, and it began to grow this desire for him to look and to think about adoption in his life. Jennifer was a teacher at a local school in a low-income part of town, and there were various times in her teaching career that she had met kids who were in the foster care system, and she longed so much to bring them home and to give them a stable home. And so both of these two parents, they, they grew a heart for adoption, and it took them to, to begin to looking into it, and they talked to international agencies and, and domestic agencies, and one of the days when they were talking to a domestic agent, uh, the, the woman asked, have you ever considered adopting an older child? There are a lot of kids right here in our community who are awaiting an adoptive family, and your wait could be much shorter if you take an older child. Now, it's not easy, but, but there are kids waiting. And so John and Jennifer, this idea really intrigued them, and so they began to pray about it and to talk and to research And after some time, they came back and they said, yes, we want to adopt an older child. Six months later, Olivia was placed in their home as a foster child. It was the first step towards adoption. When Olivia first met John and Jennifer, she was very nervous. She knew that this family wanted to adopt her, but it just seemed way too good to be true. She wasn't even sure if she would like them or if they would like her. And so she was very guarded at first, even hostile at times with them. She needed to protect herself. She wasn't going to let these people in. Well, months passed by and Olivia began to see all the things that this this couple was doing to to care for her. And while she was never going to admit that it mattered to her, she was definitely taking notice. Gradually, her guard came down. She began to open up just a little bit. Her hard exterior began to soften. But she still refused to recognize these two people as her mom and her dad. Well, shortly after Olivia turned 13 and just one month before the scheduled date of the adoption, 
John had to leave on a business trip that took him away for three weeks. It was his longest trip that he had since Olivia had been in the home. And while he was away, Olivia's abandonment issues began to once again well up inside her. She wanted so badly to be loved and accepted. Perhaps that's why she did what she did. One day while John was away, some kids at school came up to her and said that they were planning to go to a midnight movie that night. And Olivia really wanted to go. She wanted these kids to like her. But she had no way of getting to this movie theater. It was five miles from her house. So she devised a plan. She went home that day, and after dinner, she she told Jennifer, you know what, I'm really tired. I'm going to go to bed early tonight. So she went into her room, and then she waited. And then once she was certain that Jennifer was asleep, she snuck out of her room. She went into the kitchen where the car keys were. She grabbed the car keys, and she went into the garage. Then she detached the garage door from the opener so that she could lift it up really quietly and sneak out. Then at 13 years of age, she got behind the wheel. She backed out of the driveway and she drove off into the night. Miraculously, she got to the movie theater without causing an accident and without getting pulled over. When she told her friends there how she had gotten there, they were all amazed and she just reveled in the attention that she got. She was getting even more confident by the end of the movie, and she offered to drive all of her friends home. And she did. She drove them home. But she was so excited with all the activity, she didn't notice when she pulled out of the movie theater parking lot when she scraped against a pole in the parking lot. Miraculously, again, she got her friends home, and she got back to her house without any other incidents, She pulled into the garage, she closed the door, she walked in, she put the keys exactly back where she had found them, and then she crept up the stairs and into her room, and Jennifer never woke up. She'd gotten away with it. Or so she thought. The next morning when she woke up, she came downstairs and found Jennifer sitting at the kitchen table, and Jennifer said, is there something you want to tell me? And Olivia immediately said no, and she started walking for the door, hoping that Jennifer wasn't going to say anything else to her. But then she said, Jennifer, when I got up this morning, I found the garage door detached from the opener. And Olivia froze. How could I have forgotten to reattach the door, she thought. And then Jennifer continued, and she said, and then when I went into the garage, I I found a fresh scratch on the car, a little dent. Olivia, what happened last night? Ashamed and fearful, Olivia ran for the door. She went out into the front yard. She got her bike from the side of the house, and she started pedaling. She didn't know where she was going, but she knew that she needed to get out of there. One hour later, she found herself on that park bench in the center of town. She was shaking and she was thinking to herself, Jennifer is not going to want to adopt me. She's going to want to give me back. I've ruined everything. And as she sat there with these tears streaming down her cheeks, a car pulled up in the parking lot about 50 feet away. A car with a fresh scratch by the rear door. 
Olivia noticed it there and, and she wanted to run, but she just felt frozen. She couldn't move. And then Jennifer walked over and she sat down next to Olivia and she didn't say anything for quite a while. She just put her arm around Olivia. And eventually, after some time, Jennifer spoke up and she said, I don't know why you took the car, Olivia. It scares me that you would do something so dangerous. And it hurts that you would go behind my back to do this. But I want you to know that I love you. And there is nothing that you can do that can change that. I forgive you. Please come home with me. Don't you want to give me back? Olivia shouted. I'm not worthy of your love. You don't want me in your family. To that, Jennifer replied, when you walked through our doors last year, you became a part of our family. You are my precious daughter. And like it or not, you are stuck with me. (laughs) At this, Olivia's guard just dropped completely. She crumpled into the arms of this woman who had taken her in. And for the first time, she said, I love you too, mom. I want to suggest that Olivia's story is a lot like our story. She was taken in and adopted by a loving parent who gave her grace that she didn't deserve. In the same way, Scripture talks about a God who takes us into his family. And so I want to put Ephesians 1.5 back up on the screen for you to look at. We read this earlier. It says, He destined us for adoption as his children. Through Jesus Christ. Through Christ, we have the opportunity to become a part of God's family and to receive grace that we simply do not deserve. Through the grace of Jesus Christ, we are given the opportunity to become a part of, to move from a family of brokenness and to be transferred into a family of wholeness and redemption. It's an adoption into a new family story that began with the calling of Abraham way at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis and found its fulfillment in the coming of Jesus Christ into our world. And Olivia's story, it provides this wonderful glimpse into what that story is like for us about a girl who's brought into a home that is able to love her more than anybody has ever loved her before. But it's still an incomplete picture for us Because as awesome as the Bryants are, they are not perfect. They're still fallible people. But when we are adopted into God's family, we come under the care of one who never errs and never fails and can give us eternal security. And Ephesians tells us about the greatest benefit of being adopted into God's family. Ephesians chapter 1 Verses 7 and 8. Let's look at these again. What is the benefit? The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished onto us. Olivia broke curfew. She engaged in underage driving. She put a scratch in her parents' car. I'm willing to bet that you, just like me, did something in your past that your parents did not want you to do. Likewise, we've all probably done something that God would not want us to do in our lives. 
the word trespass in this passage, trespasses, it means to go against the will and the law of God. Now, God set the bar for us, what the law, what the law, his law is, set the bar so high in Christ when Christ came and taught about what God's law truly is. And when he taught that a foolish word, a hurtful word, a, a glance in the wrong direction, an act of unforgiveness, these are all equivalent to breaking one of the Ten Commandments according to Christ's teaching. So whether we realize it or not, we've all fallen short of God's perfect standards and his will for our lives. That's why forgiveness is so important for us. Adoption into God's family means forgiveness for all of our trespasses. It means we are completely forgiven, not partially, but all of our guilt is pardoned. And do you know what it means when it says that this grace that he lavished on us It means that God has an overabundance. It's overflowing. It's excessive, this grace that God has for us. So uh, Olivia's new mom gave her an overabundance of grace. How much more grace does God have for those who've been adopted into his family? Are you in need of forgiveness today? Perhaps you are a child who has wronged a parent. Perhaps you're a parent who feels like, I have really not done my kids the best that I could have done for them. Maybe you've hurt somebody. Maybe you've lived in a way that God wouldn't want you to live. Today, Christ offers you forgiveness, an undeserved pardon, a fresh start. Let's look at... One more verse that we read earlier, Ephesians 1.4. It says, He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. I want you to hear this. Forgiveness makes us holy, meaning 100% pure, meaning set apart. And it makes us blameless, meaning without fault. I love what, what Bob prayed earlier for us when, when he talked about how we are a, a hotel for sinners, not a hospital for saints. <laughs> you know, we've all fallen short and we all come to, to God in this way. But here's what Christ does for us. When we come to that hospital, he makes us saints. We like to think of saints as people who've done things, who've done great things. But what Christ has done for us is what makes us saints. A saint is somebody who's had something great done for them by Christ. Jesus' forgiveness washes away all of our guilt, and we can stand before God as though we have never done anything wrong. That's beautiful. It's extravagant. It's amazing what God has done. So we're all left with this choice. How will we respond to the grace that we've been given? Well, let's go back to Olivia's story. The next Monday, Olivia was back at school. Two of her friends came up to her after the first class, and they said to her, we heard your mom found out about the car. Are you like totally grounded for life? 
But then Olivia explained to them what happened, how, how Jennifer had met her in the park and how she had put her arm around her and offered her love and support and forgiveness. And then she told them more about the story, how after they went home, Jennifer baked Olivia's favorite cookies and she gave her cookies that day. And her friend said, you mean you got away with it? That's amazing. You've got the best of both worlds. You can do whatever you want, and instead of punishment, you get cookies. You get all the fun with none of the consequences. But Olivia said, hold on. That's not really how I see it. I feel that with my adoption into this family, I am becoming a new person. I'm becoming a part of the Bryant family. I really don't want to go back to how I used to live and the way I used to do things. I've experienced real love and true grace. Why would I go back to all those things that only led to fear and pain? Why would Olivia go back? She knew what she had been given. She knew that with her adoption into this family, that she didn't need to go back to the way things were before. It was as though she had died to those things and came alive in a new way. Well, there's this passage in the New Testament, another one that was written by the Apostle Paul, that makes a similar point about our relationship with God. It starts with a question, Romans 6.1 says this, What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? In other words, if God forgives me every time I do something wrong, then should I just keep on doing what I've always been doing because I'm going to get grace every time? British preacher and theologian John Stott made this observation about those in Paul's day who had this attitude. He said they were implying that Paul's gospel of free grace actually encouraged lawlessness and put a premium on sin because it promised sinners that the best of both worlds, they could indulge themselves freely in this world without any fear of forfeiting the next. The technical term that people give to, to those who had this type of perspective back then is antinomianism. If you break that word down, anti means against, nomian means law. So anti-law, against law. Those who held such beliefs said that since faith alone is necessary for forgiveness, then my actions don't matter. I can do whatever I want to do as long as I believe. But for Paul, such thinking was totally alien to this idea of being adopted into God's family. Here's what he says in response to that question. Should we continue in sin in order that grace should abound? By no means. Other translations say, no, no. What a ghastly thought. How can we, he continues, how can we who died to sin go on living in it? Olivia's response to the grace of her mother serves as a really great model for us in our own lives, in our own relationship with God. Her adoption led her into a new way of life. And likewise, our adoption into God's family can lead us into a new existence. In this scenario, we are motivated to change. 
But we're not motivated out of fear. We're motivated to do this in response to the grace that has been poured out, lavished upon us. And here's the secret. The change that God wants to bring about in each of our lives actually leads to making us more alive than we currently are. See, some people think the opposite is true. They think that if you come to faith in God and you begin to follow him and do what he wants you to do, that you are going to pass from life to death. means you're going to have death to all things enjoyable and death to all things that, that you want to do in this world, everything that's worthwhile, that your life will be boring and monotonous. But those who have dived deep with Christ have found out that the opposite is true. When we come to faith in him, we move from death to life. It's an invigorating way to live, a way of life with more freedom and more joy because we're no longer enslaved to those things that are bringing the hurts and the pain and the harm into our lives. God doesn't tell us to stop sinning because he wants to take away our fun. He tells us to stop because he wants us to truly live. Olivia's story today, as I told it, it ended at this critical moment where Olivia began to realize her new identity and to embrace it and then to begin to live in a different way. I wonder if anybody here today is in a similar place in their life. I wonder if anybody here is ready to truly live. If anybody is ready to embrace their true identity as a child of God and to live in an awareness of the abundance of grace that we've been given and then to, to live as a response to that. I want to close in prayer this morning. I want to about you, invite you to bow your heads. And I just want to start by having us all think about, you know, Olivia, she, she dented her parents' car. She drove off into the night. What is it that we have done? What is it that you and I have done individually that God wouldn't have wanted us to do? And just take a minute and just share those things with the God of the universe in the stillness of your heart. Now, having confessed those things to the Lord, I want you to know that God's forgiveness can reach to you and that God can pardon all of our failings and help us to stand before him as though we had never done any of these things. Now, hear the words of 2 Corinthians 5.17. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. And so, Lord, for all those who, who believe in you and today say, Lord, I want to live this new kind of life, I pray that you would give them that confidence of knowing that they are made new, that we have the opportunity each day to have a fresh start. 
And Lord, help us then to live our lives in response to that grace and that goodness. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.